Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Come on, give God a shout. Come on. Come on. As you can see, I am not Pastor Randy. Amen. I'm much better looking. So now, now, church, I need a favor from you guys. Okay. Most of the time when you're sitting there, you can hear the children yelling, you know, singing and all that. I want this church. I want them to come to us and say, hey, you guys need to be quiet in there. You know, you're shouting too much for the Lord. Hey, come on. Amen. We got a Pentecostal meeting today. All right. So just to let you know real briefly, uh, back in first week of December, something like that, uh, Pastor Randy came to me and he told me that he was going to be taken off this weekend with his bride. And he asked me if I would bring a word. So I always try to ask the pastor, okay, is there anything specific in your heart that you want me to share about? You know, because I, I respect his position and who he is. And you know what he said? Bring a message on grace. If you've been around here for a couple of months, what has Pastor Randy been preaching on? Grace. So I was like, are you serious? You want me to bring? And, and, and it's true. The grace of God is so powerful and so amazing that we could spend years talking about it. Amen. So what I want you to do today is to listen carefully, because what I want to talk about today. Yes, it's about grace. But it's about the power that the grace of God gives you to live your life. Amen. I mean, we know, we know if you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, you know that we are saved by grace through faith. And you know it is a gift of God, that there's nothing we can do about it. God has given us this gift that you have to believe in the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. When you come to him and you repent, you're saved. Amen. But there's so much more in the grace of God that we need to learn about. And most of if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you probably know what I'm talking about. But this is so good. And you know, you know why I think it's so good? Because when I was putting this stuff together, it started cutting me. You know what I'm talking about, right? When, you, when you're in the word, ouch. Yeah, you know, the Holy Spirit with the double edge. You're like, I want to be, ouch. Oh, Lord. You know, you know that that's God speaking not only to the church, but to you personally. Because we need to, I mean, guys, we need to be passionate about the salvation that God has given us. Amen. So before I start talking about some scripture, I want to read some statistics to you that, uh, Makes me real sad. When you hear the statistics, I'm not talking about everyday church, amen? I'm talking about the American church in general. Okay, so I, I, I believe, and it's not that we are better than anybody, but I believe we're here going after God, amen? amen. So listen to these statistics, and then they will get in the Word. In 2020, they did a survey in 2020, and they found out that 47%, 47% of the adults in this country say they belong to a church, only 47%. And they go to church once or twice a month. They identify themselves as Christian, but once or twice a month is enough. 47%, I remember when I was growing up, 70 to 75% of the American people identified themselves as Christians. It shows you the decline in our society and why we're seeing what we see. In 2020, Barna Group, they do a lot of surveys, Barna Group found out that non-practicing Christians is rising while the number of practicing Christians is declining. Let, check this out. Non-practicing Christians have grown from 35 to 43%. That word is non-practicing Christians. That's kind of 
makes no sense, right? Well, practicing Christians has declined from 45% to 25%. Now, this statistic, it should, well, it should scare you to death. Fewer than 24% of American Christians believe that the Bible is the Word of God. 24% of people that identify themselves as Christian believe the Bible is the Word of God. And then you look around the country and you see a feeble church, a church that is dictated on what to do by culture instead of we telling culture how to live. Amen? We see the weakness in the church of God and we wonder what's going on. This is what's going on. The Bible, oh, it's just a book that is inspired by God and it's got beautiful things in it, but it's not the Word of God. 24% of Americans believe that. I, I, I don't believe that applies here, amen? Come on. Now, nearly, check this out, nearly, and this is because of what they believe about what I just said, nearly 70% of born-again Christians disagree with the biblical position that Jesus is the only way to God. 70% of people that go to church and identify themselves as Christians, which, by the way, means Christ follower, they say there's another way to heaven. 70%. A recent Pew uh, research uh, showed, whew, you're going you're gonna to love this one. A recent Pew research showed that half, that's 50%, of Christians say that casual sex defined in the survey as sex between consenting adults who are not in a romantic relationship is acceptable. I mean... They don't believe the word of God is the word of God. Therefore, where are they getting, where are they getting their moral values from? And here's another one. I mean, and, and it goes to show you what the way we live, that half of the LGBTQ adults in the United States, they say they're Christian. You know, we all are broken. Amen. We all need Christ. But one thing we need to identify with and one thing we need to say when we come to Christ is, yes, I am broken, but he is not. Amen. Yes, I need to do better, but he will carry me. He will give me the strength. Amen? Because he is our God, and in him we have to rest, and in him we have to believe. So I'm telling you, these statistics are scary. But you know what? Look at it. I remember when I was a kid, and for those of you much younger, I was born in the 1960s. It's all right. You know what that means? I'm closer to heaven than you are. <laughs> well, it's true, ain't it? Well, maybe. I don't know. I mean, somebody here, no, you will not get run over by a truck. But, but <laughs> she's like, move on, honey, move on. So, but, uh, but I remember growing up when you went to church, and I'm not talking about Pentecostal only. I've been in many non-denominational churches where, where the passion for the things of God was obvious. Anybody here knows what I'm talking about? The passion for the things of God was there. If we went to a prayer meeting, we didn't leave until God met us there. When the pastor preached for an hour and a half, we didn't care about the lunch waiting for us. Ah, tried that today, huh? Tried that. Try to preach for an hour and a half. You'll have an empty building. Why? Because too many churches have become people friendly. Too many churches want to make sure that they bring the numbers in. They give you something to make you feel good for 30 minutes. They tell you, God bless you, you're free to go. And people walk out of there and they're like, I did my thing. Check, you know, I checked the board. I went to church. I'm good with God. But man, there's so much more for us. Come on. There's so much more for us. We need that passion. 
You know, I, was, I, I wrote it right here. I said, where is the boldness? Where is the boldness to tell the enemy, enough? Enough! You messed with my life too much already. Where's the boldness to tell the devil, you ain't taking them to hell with you? No way. You know, my wife is a prayer warrior. I love that about her, you know. And, and, and sometimes when I hear her praying, that boldness that I hear, man, it's like, wow. And we all need to just strive for that, that we know that our God is real. I mean, this is not a genie that we believe in and makes us feel good because we get together and sing a few songs. This is a God of the universe who spoke creation into existence. Amen. Come on. Anyway, we need to return to our first love. We need to surrender to God daily because it's a daily thing. I mean, it's amazing that some people think that they go to church once a week and they're ready. They're fine. You know, it's a daily walk. It's a daily thing. But anyway, before I get too sidetracked, let's get in the word. I'm going to be coming today uh, from Titus chapter 2. I know most people have a Bible in their phone if you have one. It's not on the, on, the, uh, on the screen, obviously. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, and I'm going to read it on the New King James, and then I'm going to read it in the Amplify, and then we're going to break down the scriptures a little bit and add a few more scriptures so you can see how powerful this stuff is. Titus 2, 11, 14 says, For the grace of God, see, Pastor Randy, I'm preaching on the grace of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's us. Amen. Come on, say amen. Amen. Come on, wake you up. Come on. Amen. Listen, when was the last time you drove around town and you look up to the heavens and say, Today? Today? I mean, have you, ever, have you ever caught yourself doing that? Looking at the heavens and say, maybe Jesus is coming back today. Come on, we have lost that. That precious hope, amen, that we walk out and we're like, man, Jesus is coming, bro. I remember when I was a teenager, I got saved when I was 15. I was, if you ever seen a movie or heard about the Jesus movement of the 70s in Puerto Rico, that hit back in 1975 or the early 70s, and I was part of that. Man, I'm telling you, the message every day was, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. No, Jesus is coming. I mean, like that, that's how excited we get, you know? But what happens? Let's be honest. We get busy, right? We go to school. We graduate. We get our jobs, you know? We get busy. We get distracted. Before you know it, you're in your 60s and Jesus hasn't come yet. But is the word of God true? Is the word of God true? Then he is coming, right? Then you should be excited about his coming. You should be looking at those skies and say, man, maybe today those clouds will just, wow, and there he comes and we're out of here. Woo, come on. Because you know, that's something that we all have worked to look forward. Either we're going to fly or we're going to die, amen? Nobody here, nobody here can skip that one. You like that? You can tweet it, bro. Hey, young people, young people get into the tweeting and all that stuff. I used to call it tweeting, but hey, my Spanish, you know. But anyway, you're either going to die or you're going to fly. There's nothing we can get away with. We are going to see the Lord one day. But why can't we live our life excited that he's coming today? Could you imagine you walk out of this church and it's like, pow. Come on. You want to you dance? Whew. I know he's like, what's wrong with this guy? 
All right, all right. I'm supposed to read this in the Amplified. See how I get distracted. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know it. All right. In the Amplified, it says, and I love the way the Amplified puts it, for the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that, did, that, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity. Ouch. That's the, ooh, that's the sword of God. Ouch. In this present age, awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who willingly, willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf, to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify us for himself, a chosen and very special people, to be his own possession, who are enthusiastic. Did I say that right? Okay, enthusiastic for doing what is good. There's that passion, that excitement, that you are a chosen generation. David, you're chosen. Brent, you're chosen. Guys, ladies, you're chosen. I mean, think about it. Before the foundation of the world, before he spoke the universe into existence, he says, I love you. He says, you're going to be here today. You've been chosen for this day, for a time like this. He's got a plan for your life. As long as you're breathing, God's got a plan for your life. Amen. Amen. Now, let's break this. This is awesome. This, this, this verse, this is, this is what I call a pregnant verse. It's got so much stuff in it, you know, that we could spend hours talking about this. So here in Titus 2, we see that this grace has appeared to all men. And it has appeared in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in John 1.16 that of his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace. In the person of Jesus Christ, we find this grace. Everything we need, and you're going to hear more about this, everything you need for life and godliness we find in Christ Jesus. That's it. That's where it is. Everything. This grace, which if you heard from Pastor Randy before, it is the Greek charis, where we get charismatic from. This grace, charis, means the acceptable gift and favor of God. We know that. You heard that a hundred times, right? Now, I did a little bit. You know how you can get deeper in the, in the word, into the Greek and the roots and everything? I did a little bit deeper study. And you know another meaning for grace? You're going to love this. I love it. A divine influence. Ooh. A divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. Oh, oh. that's a good place to say amen. amen. Come on, guys. A divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. The spiritual condition of one governed by the power of that divine grace. That is grace. That grace that gives you the power to live this life. That grace to give you the power to be victorious. That grace that gives you the power to go all the way in the race that has been appointed before you. 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are a chosen generation. I told you earlier you were chosen, remember? You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. You know what that word chosen means? Set apart. Set apart. Special. I read as I was studying this, I read on, on the line, on internet, where it says that, that this Greek word chosen is what the kings used to do in those days when they conquered a kingdom, a city, a castle, whatever. When they conquered, the kings got the first choice of the spoils. 
And those treasures or spoils that the king wanted for himself were the chosen spoils. Whoa. Come on, guys. That's you. That's you. I mean, we can stop right here, right now, and just lift up holy hands to the heavens and say, wow, that's us. We are that chosen generation that God, in, in, in the victory, looked at all the spoils and he said, you, I reserve for me. Oh, man, that's good. This grace is available to us. Yes, we're saved by grace. We know that. But there's so much more in this grace that will empower us to live this life. Now, let's go to the uh, verse 12 of the titles that I was reading. In verse 12, it says that this grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. I did what Pastor Randy loves to do. He takes the words and he goes into the Greek and studies the meanings, and I did that for this. And that word teaching that we see in, in verse 12 of Titus 2, it says, teaching, okay, that word is the ancient Greek for, for it has the mind of a parent that is teaching a child. That grace of God is the parent teaching the child, okay? It teaches, it encourages, it corrects, and it disciplines. That's the kind of grace we're talking about that teaches us. Teaches us to what? To live that life, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. I found this quote from John Calvin, from Titus 2.12, and John Calvin said, speaking about Paul, he said, he means that, Paul means that God's grace should instruct us to order our lives aright. Some are quick to turn the preaching of God's mercy into an excuse for licentiousness. That's where it is. <laughs> Bad stuff. Hey, who said it? Yeah, some, I don't know. Licentiousness, I think it is. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. It's everyday church, everyday people. That's me. All right. So let me read it again, and hopefully I can do it. It says, God's grace should instruct us to order our lives aright. Some are quick to turn the preaching of God's mercy into an excuse for licentiousness, while carelessness keeps others from thinking about the renewal order of their life. But the revelation of God's grace necessarily brings with it an exhortation to live a godly life. That's the grace we're talking about. That's the power we have at our disposal. And all we got to do is believe it, listen to it, obey it, live it. Isn't that awesome? Now that verse also says that the grace of God it helps us about denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. That word ungodliness is that which is polluted by sin. Hmm. Boy, we're going to spend an hour there. That which is lack of reverence, disrespect for the sacred. And worldly lust, okay, is mundane or corrupt desire for craving of the forbidden. Wow. God provides everything we need for this life. But it is up to us to deny all things that are not of God. Amen? I mean, think about it. Even, even simple things that are not sinful take you away from the things of God. And I'll give you an example. We all have done this. If you have social media, okay, I believe probably everybody here has something, Facebook, Snapchat, I don't know, whatever you have. But if you got social media, and let's say that Brent calls me up and Brent says, hey, Lewis, I posted this really funny video. I want you to check it out. So you go to Facebook and, and you check out this, this funny video. Man, that's hilarious, Brent. Thank you very much. Everybody's commenting about the video. But you know what? Hey, wait a minute. This guy that Brent put over there, he's funny. Let me look him up on YouTube, you know? So you go to YouTube and you find out this guy and then you listen to some of his fu f uh, funny stuff and you read about it and, and then he's talking about another comedian and you end up over there checking that other guy and before you know it, what, you spend six hours on Facebook. 
Now, that's not necessarily sinful, right? I mean, come on, am I the only one who's ever done that? I know I'm not. So that's not necessarily sinful, okay? But we know that spending eight hours on Facebook or whatever it is a day is not good for you. So you see, that's where that grace of God will give you the power to know, okay, yeah, I can do this, but I'm not going to abuse it either. And that's why we need to have that power in our lives. So the reality of our faith, and this is exactly what I'm talking about, the reality of our faith can be demonstrated by what we say no to. Woo. That's, that's, that's tweetable, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love you, man. The reality of our faith can be demonstrated by what we say no to and by what we are willing to deny. Think about that. There's a lot of stuff out there that it's okay to do, but it's not good for you. And that's where we need that ability to demonstrate. To, it demonstrates in our life and what we say no to. The grace given by God gives us the power to say no. We have daily struggles. Okay? It's true. We all do. Okay? But grace helps us to change. And this one, I really want you to tweet this one. Check this out. Change. This is for you, my brother. Change is not the absence of struggle. Change is the freedom to choose holiness in the midst of your struggle. <sighs> I have no idea where I got that, but it's good, ain't it? It's not mine, okay? I'm not taking credit for, you know, you sit there and you research and you find quotes and you're like, wow. And I'm going to repeat it again because it's worth repeating. Change is not the absence of struggle. You will have struggle. But change is the freedom to choose holiness in the midst of your struggle. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Charles Spurgeon said, The most difficult part of the training of young men is not to put the right things into them. Okay? but to get the wrong things out of them. We are born in a sinful nature. You never have to teach a kid to be selfish. I I had five kids, and I've seen in every one of them the selfishness, okay? That's why the Bible says to train your child as the way they should go, because if you don't, they're gone, okay? It's there. That's the sinful nature. And that's what we need to. We need to get that out of there. We must live soberly, self-controlled, regarding ourselves. We must live righteously regarding the people around us. Okay? And we must live godly regarding God. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Why do we need to live soberly with the people around us? Because you are a living epistle. And you never know how you will be affecting somebody's life. i give you an example I was thinking about on my way here to church this morning. You're driving down the road, minding your own business, you get into a red light. There's a guy in front of you. Oh, let's, let's make it. You're going to church. There you go. Make it a lot holier, you know. <laughs> you're going to church on a Sunday morning. You're praising the Lord. You got, you got your praise and worship going in the, in the car. You get to a red light. Got in front of you sitting there. We're all fine. The light changes green. He's not moving. You wait three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. Now you're, you're fuming. Now what's wrong with this idiot, right? <laughs> You start hunking, bam, 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 and he starts shooting you the finger, right? And you start open your window, and you start screaming back at them, you know? You're laughing because you've probably done this, okay? I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to testify in a minute. So what happens? You have that exchange in the road, and then you pull up in the church parking lot, and he's right there pulling up next to you. What do you think that's going to do for your testimony, huh? Let me give you one. This happened to me many years ago, and 
that, that's, that's God putting it back on my memory banks. Uh, as, as a lot of you that know me, I, I retired from the city of Donnellan Police Department in the, in the 90s after being injured in Delano duty. And, but I used to go back then in the 90s to First Baptist Church in Donnellan. Really nice pastor. I can't remember his name, but he was an awesome guy. And, and uh, yeah, I know, I don't remember his name. So that was how nice he was. I can't keep going. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Woo! At least you go home today and say, man, we'll laugh today in church. Hopefully you learn something. Anyway, I'm at the post office in Donnellan. If you've ever been in Donnellan, little post office. I'm checking my mail. And I'm coming out of the parking lot on US 41 in the middle of the week. On, it's, it's, it's really crowded in Donnellan, okay? Uh, the, the highway is, is super crowded. So I'm, I'm there at the parking lot, I mean, at the stop sign, trying to get on Highway 41 to get out of the post office and the traffic. I couldn't get out. And I start, I start getting mad. I mean, I know you probably never seen me mad, but trust me, once in a while happens. So I start getting mad and I started like, you know, you start raising your hands and you're talking to yourself. And, <laughs> and, and I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. And I'm not kidding you. I must have been there for four minutes or so. And that, that's an eternity at a stop sign, you know? So, so all of a sudden I started hitting my, my steering wheel. I got, I, something must have been happening in my life that day because I lost it. And as I'm, as I'm striking the steering wheel, I hear a honk. And it's my pastor behind me. <laughs> Whew. Now, do you see what I'm talking about? This is why the word of God calls us to live soberly in this age. Because you never know that life you're going to affect. Listen, I'm not saying that you should walk to work with a big sign saying, oh, you're going to hell if you don't have Jesus. Oh. That's not the passion I'm talking about. I'm talking about the lifestyle and the passion that when people see you, just by the fact and the way you live and conduct yourself and the way you talk, they know there's something different. Amen. Those are the guys that will come up to you and work and they'll say, hey, uh, you know, my, my wife's sick. Would you keep her in prayer? And you're like, hey, how do they know I, I, I'm Christian? Because of the way you live. Because you live in soberly, like the word says. Hallelujah. Acts 20, 32 says, so now, brethren... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You see, the grace of God not only teaches, but the grace of God builds you up. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God himself is the one that will sanctify you. God himself is the one that sets you apart. That's you. Hallelujah. Man, sanctified is another word that, yes, is set apart. But it also means to cleanse, to free from the guilt of sin, to separate from profane and to be dedicated to God. That's amazing. He sanctifies us. We can't do it on our own strength. Yes, he gives you the grace to say no. And the way to say no, okay, the way out of temptation, we know that's in the Bible. But it is he who provides everything that we need. Remember, he wants us to walk in godliness. He wants us to be Christ-like. But we can't do it on our own. God works it into our hearts by his grace, and he will give you the power to live out this holiness. Now, I know that's easier said than done, 
but I know it can be done. And this is why this is so awesome in my own life that it's the first message in, in the year 2023. That we can have this year and be a year of passion for the things of God. That we can have a year, a year that we live for the things of God. Let 2023 be a new beginning in your life. Amen. Now let's get back to Titus 2, uh, verse 13 and 14. And you, you heard me talk about it earlier. It says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of God teaches us to expect that blessed hope. That hope is not heaven or glory. That hope is meeting Jesus Christ face to face. I mean, think about that for a minute. One day, you and I will be face to face with the great I am. Man, the awesomeness of that statement that the creator of the universe who spoke it into existence has one day said to meet you face to face. Man, thank you, Father. That grace teaches us to expect and prepare for our blessed hope. That hope, we know, like I said, is not heaven or glory, but he himself. Do you live with that expectation? Think about it. You don't have to answer out loud, but do you live with that expectation? Jesus is coming. Now listen, you got to understand one thing. He is patient and wants everyone to get saved. We know that the scriptures tell us that. Okay? But when you look at the totality of everything, he create, he's been, God's been around forever. We can't, we, we can't figure that out in our, in, our, in our mentality, okay? But he's always, 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 always existed. So to him, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 years is nothing. Nothing. So just because he, well, he, they, just because they told me he was coming when I was 15 years old and he hasn't come yet, that, that's, that's nothing in the face of God. That's like a second in, in your existence. So that's why we can't lose hope that he is coming. And you see, this is why I hear from a lot of people saying, Jesus was a good man, but he's not my savior. And I said, no, 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 no. Either Jesus was the great I am that the scriptures tells us he is, or he's a lunatic. You can't be a good man walking around the earth saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Only a lunatic says that, or somebody who is who he says he is. So we need to realize that we need to separate that. He's not a good man. He's either God himself of creation, or he's a lunatic. And if he's a lunatic, what are you doing here? Hallelujah. We need to settle that in our own hearts of who he is, the great I am. And that's the one who you have an appointment with one day. Hallelujah. That's that blessed hope. And that's why we need to live in that expectation. Knowing that he's coming soon. Oh man, you are his own special people. I only got 20 pages left. Hallelujah. <laughs> we ordered pizza, right? <sighs> Don't worry, we're going to be good. Man, you know, I know I, lo I love joking around. My wife can testify. I drive her nuts sometimes. Amen? Can you say amen? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but this is real. Yes, I love to laugh. Laughter is good medicine. Amen. But this is so real that we are his own chosen people. That we are his high priests. That we have been reserved for him. Ephesians 2.10 says, You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. John 3.2 and 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, 
And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. And everyone, that's us, who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Amen? Come on, amen? amen. Knowing that Jesus could come at any minute should, should open up our eyes. Just live a life worthy of his calling. Now listen, I stand here before you today and I know that the Christian walk takes strength. Okay, this is not an easy thing. Okay, now in, in one sense, Christianity is not for weaklings. But in another sense, Christianity is for the weaklings who recognize the need of their Savior. Amen? We are to be strong in the Lord. We are to be in Christ Jesus. Okay, because in Christ Jesus is where we find that abounding grace. In Christ Jesus is where we find the strength to make it. Amen. We got to be strong. We got to believe. We got to stand with Him. 2 Timothy 1 9 says, God saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the time began. Before you were ever born, God knew that you'd be here today. Before you were ever born, God knew everything you were going to go through. And before you were ever born, he set out a path of righteousness for you. But we got to walk it. I mean, think about that for a minute. That God takes the time for each and every life to see where you're going. And I, I know that, that in our own minds, that's crazy. But that's God. He's infinite. See, God is outside of time. We, aren't, we know what an hour is. We know what a day is, what a week is. God is outside of time. And when God sees his creation, he sees everything that ever existed and ever will exist. He's outside of that. And that's how mighty, mighty he is. He called us and he has given us a purpose. Everyday church has been called. Did you hear me? Everyday church has been called. Everyday church has been chosen. You and I have been called and chosen for a time like this. God in his infinite wisdom decided that this was the time for you to be alive. And do you realize that there's some things that only you can do? There's some people in your life that I could never influence. God has appointed you to do that. You don't have to be a Billy Graham. You don't have to stand up in stadiums and preach to 10,000 people to be somebody of the kingdom of God living that life. You just got to be that living epistle. That people see every day and can come to when they're in need. Now, I'm going to switch over real quick to, to talk a little bit about faith. Because faith and grace, they go hand in hand. Okay? Pastor Tim Gilligan, when I, when I used to go to Meadowbrook Church way back, when it was Ocala Wood of Faith, he used to always say, grace, faith releases what grace contains. God has provided everything you need in his grace and his release. By your faith. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and His virtue. Now, hallelujah. My wife gave me that sign, you know. <laughs> That's okay. Who can go another hour? Hey, three hands, hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> all right, they're the majority right now. Come on. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let me talk a little bit about faith. It's okay. We'll go a few more minutes. 
I'm not going to go through the whole Hebrews 11 because, as you, can, as you know, Hebrews 11, if you've been reading scriptures for some time, is a chapter that we call the chapter of faith. And you see so much in there. So I'm going to just read three verses and, and then we move on. It says, by faith, in, in verse 7, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared that ark. And I'll stop right there. By faith, what did Noah did? <laughs> moved. Okay. You remember school? You remember verbs? Action, right? Noah moved. Okay. Any teachers here, please, if I mess up, forgive me. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And he became the father of many nations. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with people of God other than, instead of enjoying the passing pleasures of sin. By faith, they took action. By faith, they did. And that's what we're called to do. Hallelujah. This is amazing. Now, in Hebrews 11, obviously when you go into Hebrews 12, I can't leave without talking about that scripture real quick. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by, those great, by that great cloud of witnesses, we let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, I always think about that joy before him being us. Amen. That joy set before him, he endured the cross, the spice and the shame. Come on. Come on and play some of that beautiful music, brother. Come on. I love this part. And you love it too because you know you're almost, almost ready to go. God is good, ain't he? Come on, God is good. I mean, I, I, I hope that every breath you take, you realize how good God is. I mean, you heard that, remember that song? Every breath you take, every, never mind. But it's true. Everything you do is a gift of God. Whoo! I don't know if I want to read all this, but go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, come on. Oh yeah, I'm going to read this. This is good. It's three, three verses on 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. And I want you to listen and apply this to our lives. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, says Paul. Listen, I give you this charge. He says, preach the word. Wow, that action. Preach the word. He says, be prepared in season and out of season. When I walked in here this morning, I like to mess around with Johnny all the time, Pastor Johnny. And I went up to him, I gave him a hug, and I said, you're preaching today, right? He looked at me, no, you are. I said, no, you are. And he says, that's okay, I'm ready if I have to. Yeah! That's what you want to hear from our staff, right? I mean, if I would have just given the mic 30 minutes ago, he would have been ready. Because you've got to speak of that hope that is in you. So be prepared. So remember, preach. Be prepared. Ooh, 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 I don't like this word. I don't like this word. I don't like this word. Correct. Correct. Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come, and I believe we're there now. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. You heard those statistics, right? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around 
A great number of teachers. Hallelujah, man. We're seeing that right now. A great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This word tells us to preach, to be prepared, to correct, to rebuke, and to encourage. And all them, their action words. We need faith. We need His grace. And it's available to us today. To live a life worthy of our calling. Everyday church, if every other church in the universe stopped existing today, we can still change the world. Twelve people in the power of Jesus Christ changed the world as we know it. You imagine how much more we can do with the crowd we have here today if we just walk out this great salvation. Treat people like if Christ was standing right next to you. Love people like He loves you. Forgive mm, like He has forgiven you. If we really started living Christ-like, oh, wow, wow, wow. How this, this, this world would not be the same. I hope this message encourages you and I hope this message is deposited in your heart as we move forward in 2023. And I want to read a prayer for you real quick that I read it. I asked my wife if she would help me out with a closing prayer and she came up with a beautiful prayer. And I've read it a few times and I think it's powerful and I want to read this. Pray this over us if you don't mind. Bow your heads, please. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the word we heard today. I pray in Jesus' mighty name that as the body of Jesus Christ, we receive this word and we will not only be hearers, but doers of the word of God. Your word is truth, Father. Your word is life and health to all those who receive it. And I pray right now for Holy Spirit boldness to rise up in me and in my brothers and sisters in Christ to enable them to fight the good fight of faith, to stand tall in your righteousness, to say no to any form of ungodliness in our lives, to seek your face and heart as you teach us in the ways we should walk with you. And I thank you, Father. And Father, we will walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. In you, Lord, and you alone we trust. Father, as this new year gets started, we repent if we have sinned, we surrender to your will, and we receive this marvelous grace and everything you have provided in it. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.